Hello, this is episode five of season four. Now in this episode, I'll be talking with Josh Neal of Wisteria Partners. So Josh is a structural engineer and he'll be sharing with us the role that they can play in your renovation or new building project. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Our Get It Right podcast partner for season four is Colourbond Steel and their matte range. So Colourbond Steel matte is a great choice for creating a stunning, sophisticated and subtle look for your home in a material that is tested to withstand Australia's harsh conditions and be durable, long-lasting and strong for your home. As you may know, Colourbond Steel has been around for over 50 years now, so quintessentially Australian, it's been used in all kinds of projects in locations all across Australia with its tried and tested performance and its enduring style. The Colourbond Steel matte range takes this to the next level. With five colours to choose from, the matte range was tested for 10 years before it was brought to market. Sophisticated and understated, it has this gorgeous luxe feel in a material that's seriously strong and durable. There are so many ways that you can use it in the walls and roof of your home, whether you're renovating or building, to create the design style that you're seeking. With a beautiful and neutral look, it has an elegance that I know that you'll love, and it diffuses light for a soft, natural, textured finish and not only does Colourbond steel matte look gorgeous being steel it's also 100% recyclable it's high-tech it's tested and designed for the Australian climate it's a choice for bushfire zones it's able to give your home a contemporary and sophisticated feel and it has 50 years of history behind it as a brand it's just amazing so head to www.colourbond.com forward slash undercover architect and that's c-o-l-o-r bond.com forward slash undercover architect there you can learn more about this great matte range you can request samples which i really encourage you to do and you can get inspired for how you could use it in your reno or new home and stay tuned across the season as i'll be sharing more ideas and info to help you see how it could work for your project now let's get on with the episode episode we'll be learning all about how a structural engineer will help you in your project and why you need one. So Josh Neal is a structural engineer and he's also the New South Wales office manager and structural project engineer for Westera Partners. So Westera Partners is a highly respected Australian consulting engineering firm that's been practicing on the Gold Coast since 1981, in Brisbane since 1998 and Northern New South Wales since 2009, both in structural engineering and in civil engineering. And uh, Josh told me that they've recently just won House of the Year Award with the structural work that they did for the project that was the winner of everything in the Houses Magazine Award. So um, that's a great uh, award for them to receive. Now, the company has extensive experience in residential housing and in higher density projects such as townhouses and also apartment buildings, right through to factories, warehouses, aged care facilities, retail, office buildings and schools. So a huge amount of experience a lot, across a lot of different building types. Now, Westera Partners seek to provide educated and informed feedback to minimise construction costs and to reduce construction times. Their service actually ensures that every project is designed or supervised by a senior engineer with over 10 years' experience, so they're approachable, reliable and experts in their field. And Josh himself has 16 years designing diverse structural engineering projects. His special fields include the design of medium density and complex architectural housing types and resort structures, complex and luxury housing, renovations to existing structures and various commercial projects. He's a clever bunny when it comes to structural design and engineering and I know that you'll hear that when he speaks about his work. Now Josh has a thorough knowledge of timber framing, steelwork, concrete and masonry structures and he has a particular interest in sustainable design. He provides consultancy services to architects, to builders and developers regarding how to optimise the structure, how to do cost-effective material planning and constructural techniques and Josh prides himself on presenting his clients with creative 
and economic solutions while maintaining a high attention to detail. And he's so passionate about his work and why he does what he does. And I think this will really come across in his conversation and in the advice that he provides. A structural engineer actually becomes a key part of your team when you're renovating or building your home. The structural design of your home, so basically how it stays standing, doesn't move too much, deflect or fall down over time. Look, this is such an important part of its longevity overall. And it's a, you know, a big part of your budget can be spent on the structure of your home. And oftentimes it gets hidden behind the walls and you don't even see where your money's gone. So being efficient with it and it being well integrated with the overall design, you know, this is really necessary in getting it right. So it's fantastic to get Josh's help in explaining more about how structural engineers can work with you, your designer as well, and your builder to really work in a collaborative way to help your project overall. And he's also going to help us understand some of the other information that's helpful in your structural design so that you can be really informed when you go about your project. This is about the who, the what, the when and the why of using a structural engineer for your renovation or building project. So let's get into the episode. So welcome, Josh, to the Get It Ride podcast. It's fantastic to have you here talking about the role of a structural engineer and how they can help when you're designing, building or renovating your home. I gave an introduction to you and your business in the lead up to us chatting, but perhaps you, in your own words, you could describe for me who is Josh Neal and Westera Partners. Thanks, Amelia. Josh Neal is a structural engineer by profession. I'm a, uh, a father of two beautiful children and uh, one on the way, which is oh, exciting. Oh, wow. that is exciting. That's right. And uh, my wife was not so excited about it, but that's okay. <laughs> You're about to be outnumbered. That's right. <laughs> about to be outnumbered, which is uh, I'm really excited about. But one thing uh, that is really important to me is uh, my profession, which is structural engineering. I'm really passionate about structural engineering. As a young boy, I grew up building a lot of Lego, and I was really fascinated about how things went together. I had a a very inquisitive mind about how things went together and how they stopped falling over. And and so through high school, I I was I got involved in a lot of mathematics and um, really loved maths, and that led me to go to university and study engineering. Now, with engineering, there's so many different disciplines of engineering, and uh, there's mechanical and electrical and chemical and and hydraulic engineering. But the thing that really jumped out to me was structural engineering. So with structural engineering, it's the it's what we're trying to do is make sure buildings don't fall over or structures don't fall over. Kind of an important role, hey? <laughs> well, it is, and and it, it fulfills one of the primary needs of a person's life, which is shelter obviously food and shelter and and so for me I, I get a great sense of being able to provide people an opportunity to have a safe shelter and uh, that leads into um, aid work as well as commercial work here in Australia and you know, I absolutely love it. I actually wake up in the morning really excited about work. It's one thing that, um, that uh, keeps me going and, and I know a lot of people can't say that about their jobs but for me Structural engineering is really fun. So, Josh, you touched on this idea of basically, you know, a structural engineer helps keep buildings standing, which <laughs> is a super important thing when you're building or renovating. That's right. People like to sleep at night. <laughs> so perhaps you could just flesh out a bit more on, you know, what role does a structural engineer play in the process of renovating or building your home? Okay. Well, our role is um, essentially an architect or a building designer or a draftsman will come up with the dream for a house. They'll come up with what it should look like from the outside and the floor plan and, and how the house will function as a, as a space. And our role is to, is to be the marriage between the architect or the draftsman and the builder. We actually help put the pieces together. We, uh, we talk about you know, what happens when the wind hits the building. You know, how do we stop the building from falling over when the wind hits it? What what happens if there's an earthquake? You know, how do we make sure the building is safe when there's an earthquake? Or, or even in the ground conditions, you know, if there's any sort of subsidence or um, anything related to the soil, we make sure that the building structure will always be safe and that the the longevity of the house will be uh, will be kept intact. So, we're we're looking at things that are, are natural phenomena. And just making sure that the, the building is able to be strong enough 
to withstand those elements. Yeah, it's an incredibly significant role, isn't it? And I think that uh, a lot of people get, oh, they underestimate just how much is actually involved in making sure that that, as you say, that dream that they've envisaged as lines on a page and volumes and spaces and in the actual sort of form of the building, what then goes into it to make sure that it can be upright, that it doesn't twist, that it doesn't deflect and that it stays stable over all of those kind of anticipated uh, processes and, and natural situations that may occur in the lifespan of the home. Absolutely. So there's things like, you know, you're having a, a 21st birthday party and you want to make sure that all the guests are able to stand on the deck while the speeches are given without the deck falling down. You know, those are the things that we think about that no one else gets too concerned about, but they're the things that we, we're passionate about, making sure that every little scenario that the house is going to encounter during its life will be um, will be um, calculated and, and anticipated for and, and made sure that it's going to be uh, structurally sound. Yeah, which is ultimately about the safety of the occupant and anybody visiting the home, isn't it? That's right, that's right. So, Josh, could you perhaps share with me, as you said, that, uh, you know, oftentimes you'll uh, be working alongside the architect or the building designer or even alongside the builder to bring all of this vision to reality in terms of a structurally sound home. So I know that from my personal uh, professional experience, often we're the ones sourcing the structural engineer on behalf of the homeowner from, you know, from people that we work regularly with. If somebody knows that they need to find a structural engineer for their home, they're not necessarily working with a designer yet. Perhaps they've got some questions about the structural stability of their home that they're trying to wrap some finances around before they kind of embark on their project. Do you have any tips for how to find one and what checks you should make in order to, you know, make sure that you're choosing the right person for you? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most important things, in my opinion, is is finding an, an engineer that is passionate about what they're doing. You want someone that is treating the house as if it was their own money that they were spending. You don't want them over-designing and, and making a whole bunch of redundant structure that's costing you a lot of money. You want them to really care about what you're building and to get, to get a great understanding of how the space is going to be utilised. A lot of the times with renovations, uh, the engineer actually gets called out to site, sometimes before the builder and sometimes before the architect or, or building designer, just to see whether what you know what the homeowner wants to do is actually practical or, or realistic. Um, you know, someone might want to remove all of the columns in a space to to create an open area. Well, you know, sometimes the builder or the architect can't actually answer that question. It's the engineer that comes out and says look, you know, you can do this, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. Well, they might say, look, you know, it's really unwise to do this um, because it's going, to, uh, it's going to really affect some of your foundations. Um, so, so having an engineer on board at the start of a project is really helpful in order to keep within a budget that you're looking for and to also understand what is practical and what is um, easily achieved. I often get asked to come out to sites and, and straight away I can see things that, that other people can't see and I can talk into that and explain to, the, to people, look, now if you move this wall only 300 millimetres this way, it'd save you $10,000. And like little things like that are, uh, make a huge impact. So when you're choosing an engineer, try and find someone that's passionate, someone that's helpful, uh, someone that is going to listen to your needs and, and what you need to do and also someone that's got a great reputation. Obviously, they have to be a certified engineer. Um, there's different national regulations regarding certification for an engineer and there's, a, there's actually a, a registration board that you can contact to, to uh, make sure that the person that you're dealing with is actually registered. But I think that one of the main things is to see if someone's actually really passionate about it and if, you know, when you get them out to site, whether they know what they're talking about, it would be quite obvious. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you want somebody who's actually really interested in what you're trying to create and can really help you then deliver that in mm. the most effective and economical way. And I think, you know, I think that that's, that's a fantastic piece of advice in order for people to gauge, you know, how on board is this professional that mm. I'm speaking to? And um, I'll pop a link in the show notes to that national registration, that national, so that people can check for the certification. But, you know, 
I, I really, I, I get, I often get surprised that people will think, oh, look, I'll get a builder or a designer around to tell me if I can tear down that wall when they're not actually the ones who have to, whose liability has to stand beside whether that's structurally sound. So for homeowners to understand that it's really only a structural engineer who has the required certification to advise on structure and legally and stand by that in terms of a liability sense, I think that's a great piece of advice to know who your first port of call is if you're wanting to get somebody to give you advice about how to, you know, change things and knock things down inside the house. So, um, so you know, I think, uh, you know, I remember we were doing a renovation of, a, of an old brick home and it had a trust roof on it. So I knew logically that the load bearing would all be on the external walls and we'd most likely be able to tear out all the internal brick walls. But you also don't know over the years what's settled, what's deflected into certain locations, That's what is wrong. actually being relied upon to now be the structure of the home. And so, yes, to have a structural engineer at that point and just to pay for the consultancy of an hourly rate, for a structural engineer to come out and give you that peace of mind, plus those pearls of wisdom about if you just move it here, that could save you big bucks. You're not going to be doing structural gymnastics, need extra bits of steel. You know, I think that's really pivotal. So That's right. And it also helps you if you're, if you're embarking upon engaging an architect or a building designer, you don't want to outlay huge amounts of money and then to find that the engineer tells you that it's not actually possible, and then you have yeah. to have to go back to the start again. Like it, it'd be really disappointing to 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 do that. Now the other thing too is a lot of engineers are um, are really mathematical and and uh, have a, a a right side of their brain that, that performs <laughs> really well. That may you know you may think then they're, they're not passionate, but you might just need to ask the question: Are you passionate about this? Because yeah. uh, because we are a different breed, and um, <laughs> and we love numbers, and sometimes words aren't our best um, <laughs> ally. <laughs> That's awesome. It, I mean, and it is. It, it's a it's a it's a career that attracts a certain type of person. That's isn't right. It? Yeah, so. us and accountants. You know, we yeah. get along really well. <laughs> so. Josh, can you you talk you touched on the uh, the fact that there's so many different disciplines in engineering, and I know that that confuses a lot of people because they're not quite sure who exactly they need, and based on what they're doing and what their council requires, they may need different disciplines. At a base level, though, I know that you know pretty much every project that's involving some building or extension or significant renovation work is, of course, going to need a structural engineer. You'll also potentially need to have a civil or and geotechnical engineer. Can you just talk about the difference between sort of those three disciplines in particular? Okay, so a structural engineer um, simply looks at the structure, so everything above ground, anything to do with the materials. Um, we as a structural engineer, we're looking at concrete, steel, timber, um, and how and masonry and how these elements go together. A geotechnical engineer is 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 someone that studies the soil and is able to tell you how much it's going to react between the wet season and the dry season or or how stable the site is if it's on a slope or uh, whether or not the founding material is rock or whether it's sand or you know let's say you're building a swimming pool um, you want to know is the digger going to be there for three months digging this hole or is it going to be done in a day because that's going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah, so it's a big so, difference isn't it? That's right so you want the geotechnical engineer to, to, uh, to do, do some tests on the site and uh, tell you what type of soil that you've got that you're going to be building on and that really equips the structural engineer with, uh, with information to then build the structure on top of. A civil engineer is someone that really deals with uh, roads and driveways and and um, bulk earthworks and and um, things that are uh, you know larger scale like subdivisions and bridges and and um, sometimes they'll get involved with um, stormwater issues. You might have like a creek that runs through your property or a, or an um, you know when it rains you'll get an overland flow path through your property. And a civil engineer really helps with those things to do with water and to do with drainage and and um, things like that. Yeah, so that's a great way to, to sort of understand the difference between them and, and obviously where uh, a structural engineer is going to really assist you. And it's also worth understanding, I suppose, that if you're doing any excavation and retaining on your site and you have any retaining walls that are a metre in height or over, then they need to be structurally engineered as well 
from a, an approval point of view. That's correct. Too. So, um, but I think a lot of people really don't understand that they need that geotechnical information to then inform what the structural design actually needs to perform to. So obviously your soil conditions have a dramatic impact on the stability of your house that then needs to sit on that soil. Mm. So in terms of if you are getting a structural engineer, you spoke about, okay, you know, they're great to get over if you're thinking about, you know, modifying, changing walls, cutting holes in your house, all those types of things from a a renovation point of view. If you're then thinking, okay, we're going to move forward with this and we're going to look at the design, what, what should you pull together before you get a structural engineer on board in terms of any, any tests or things like that that you need to get together? Well, I think um, when people come to me, the most efficient way of using our services is if they have a, uh, a, a soil test done. And, and a structural engineer will usually have a really good relationship with a geotechnical engineer. So you could even ask them, look, who would you recommend for a soil test and, and what sort of information would we be asking them to do to uh, enable you to do your job most efficiently? So I always ask people to, to get a soil test underway. Sometimes that's a critical path because they take, it might take, you know, depending on their workload, it might take them two weeks to get to site and there's another two weeks of lab testing. So if you can get that geotechnical work underway um, as soon as possible, that what is it, really What does it helps. look like when, a, when a, a geotechnical engineer comes out to your site to do a soil test? Okay, well, they love soil. So <laughs> they usually have boots on and, um, you know, uh, beard. Most of them have beards. Um, no, they they come. They usually come in a four wheel drive that has got a rig on mounted on the back of the four wheel drive that drills into the soil. So um, they'll test down to two or three meters or yeah. Even so it's further. a great big piece of equipment, isn't it? That's I think right. a lot of people get quite surprised and don't actually think about access and how that thing's physically going to get to where they want to take the soil test from. In That's terms right, of how that yeah. works, yeah. And they, they'll usually, depending on how large the extension is or, or the new house, they'll, they'll do two or three different boreholes across the, uh, the site and then, and then we'll get that information. We'll be able to see how consistent the soil conditions are across the site and whether there's a water table involved or whether there's a, a, um, you know, a, a soft spot of material that we need to be aware of, whether there was an old tree um, roots that we're going to encounter, or, you know, things like that. The geotechnical um, engineer, when he turns up to site, um, will be able to explore those things and and find out exactly what's going on underneath the ground. Yeah, no, I, and I think um, as an aside, just in terms of thinking about that soil test, it is really helpful if you have a bit of an understanding about where you're planning on extending your home or building the new home so that they're getting the soil conditions where that work's going to occur. Because I know that there was a project that I got involved in after the soil test had been done and we designed an extension and it was only when the builder actually started on site that they found that this area had been an infilled valley and there was basically slop where all of the oh, no. where all of the piers were going and so they needed to be piled screw piled at that point mm. and that was all happening whilst the builder is on site and you're having to make these last minute dis- costly decisions about how to rectify things so it is really great to have that understanding and even to budget to pay for the the geotechnical engineer to come out twice. So perhaps you're demolishing part of the house to extend it. You know, perhaps they then come back and do a second soil test so that you've got realistic understanding of what is actually the soil is like underneath. That's right, because most variations in a house that are outside the control of the owner happen in the ground. So that's where the, the, the most unknowns are for the builder when he's pricing the job is what, what, what am I going to encounter when I start digging? You know, is it going to be easy digging? Is it going to be hard digging? Um, is there going to be water that I encounter? Um, that's where the greatest variations can occur outside of owner making decisions on, you know, making changes. And so that's really important to get a good soil test. So a structural engineer will always have a great relationship with a geotechnical engineer that they trust and that they uh, rely on for, for great advice. So you mentioned, uh, obviously, we get the soil test done. Is there anything else that we need to pull together for the structural engineer to get started and and to be able to work with us? Well, I think it's really wise to to have a preliminary meeting with the architect or building designer and the engineer because what that does is it it helps the architect 
relay their dream and communicate you know what they really want to see it helps the client say what's important to them um, and then the engineer can sort of absorb all that information and go away and start designing a, a preliminary design um, knowing that you know what the the games room is really important not to have a column in the center of the <laughs> pool table so I won't recommend that or you know or it might be you know that the architect may say look you know we really want to spend money on the kitchen and the uh, the kids bedrooms are not that important to the overall budget so then the engineer might think oh well you know I can I can um, I can offer some cost saving ideas in the kids bedrooms by by maybe um, having trusses rather than rake ceilings or or there might be some a window size that could reduce a little bit and not affect things in the big picture so you want an engineer that is really conscious of of what you're trying to achieve and I think the best way to do that is actually have that preliminary meeting where you sort of you know you let everybody know what everyone's main objective is yeah I think that's great advice because I know the best results have always come when we've had true collaboration from a design and a structural point of view though I find that it, when it doesn't work is when you basically see a design just get finished and then just get punted to the structural engineer to say hey make this work and and then there's no opportunity to actually let the structural design and efficiencies in the structural design inform the the design itself and get those cost efficiencies and those construction efficiencies in place because Oftentimes, you know, if you can save some time on site, then you can save cash. And if you can, you know, do less work in terms of the amount of steel you're using or, um, you know, bracing that you're having to add to the home to create stability, all of those things help bring the price down. And I think a lot of homeowners probably don't maximise the opportunity that they have to rationalise their structure when they get the chance and and they get to the point of getting it quoted and then it's you know the budget's over because all the stuff that they're spending the money on is actually hidden behind the walls and they that's haven't right. and they haven't really thought about it so um, so yeah I think that's a great piece of advice that initial meeting to just lay everything down and say this is where our priorities are what can you as a structural engineer help with for us to get a better outcome that's here. right and, and it's a great opportunity in that meeting for the engineer to say you know these are you know when I look at this project the biggest challenges are this 12 meter wide opening here, you know or the or um, you know the, the going to need sky hooks to hold yeah, it the up the spa yeah. that's on the roof terrace you know we we got you know 3 tons of water that I've got to somehow carry down to the floor or or you know we've only got 3 columns on this carport I'd love a fourth column you know things like that the the engineer has an opportunity to flag those things where, and the, and it might even be just a simple drafting error yes that, that um, then would cost the client thousands of dollars. So it's a great opportunity to just start that conversation and, and let everybody that's going to be involved in the project know from the start what's really important and what the main objective is. Yeah, and I think too, you know, so much of what we do with our homes these days is about creating big open volumes of space, you know, heaps of glazing so we get that lovely indoor-outdoor connection, a lot of transparency about our homes. And then it's like, well, okay, we still have to hold this thing up, and it's basically glass and and void. You know? <laughs> so, That's right. And then they get surprised that there's big bits of chunky steel, and also the the steel is going into locations which then needs to get plumbing and services around it, which then means drop ceilings, and that doesn't get thought of until it's too late, and all of a sudden you've got a lower ceiling than you expected in certain points. So. It's such a critical thing, isn't it, to just mm. sort of seamlessly integrate into that design process so that at every step of the way you're being sure that you're getting the resu end result that you want and not spending a fortune in order to achieve it. That's right. And it, it, another great thing to do would be to get the engineer to do a preliminary design to then uh, be able to give that to the builder to, to confirm whether things are on target or a quantity surveyor or, or someone that is going to actually be um, charging the money at the end of the day and, and say, look, you know, this is what the engineers come up with for the, in, for the preliminary design. Is that going to fit within our budget or are we dreaming? You know, it's great to, because an architect will have a, have, or a building designer will have a rough idea of what things are going to cost, but it's actually the builder that is going to be charging the money at the end of the day. So it's great to get a preliminary design from the engineer and the architect's preliminary design and hand that to the builder to just make sure things are going to be on target because uh, that's the time if you need to make some alterations or, or changes to the plans, 
that's the time to do it rather than once everyone's done their work and they've charged you and you've paid for it, then to find things are over budget, you don't really want to be paying for the architectural and the and the engineer twice. It's um it's a real trap. Yeah, and I think that's such a great point to mention because I know that a lot of people say to me, Oh, the builder won't even look at it until I've got structural engineering done and and uh, and that's because obviously the structural engineering impacts so much of the cost that the builder has to put against the job. Um, but don't understand that that doesn't mean that they that they necessarily have to get a structural engineer to do a full set of documents, that it can be as simple. And I know what we've gone to builders with to get prices. It's a hand sketch over the top of the, the architectural drawings that just says, this is the rough you know, size of beam here. This is where you're going to need bracing. And it's, and it's enough information for the builder to wrap their heads around, okay, what impost, what cost impost, is there for me to achieve the structural design and then also be able to collaborate as well and say, well, my building methodologies, I've tried this out before, I've tried this out before. That's right. As a structural engineer, would you be okay with this? And then you can go, well, I would, but the design needs to change in this. And then that goes back to the architect. And it is that that process of iteration that can so dramatically impact the price that you're paying at the end, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. So Josh, we've talked about the importance of getting the engineer in early to collaborate and create a structural design that works with the the architectural or building designer done design and make sure that we're achieving efficiency in terms of the structural structural engineering as much as possible. The structural engineer, of course, though, stays on board through the project and oftentimes right through to completion. Can you just talk a bit about, you know, after you've done that initial meeting and the architect or building designer goes away and start, goes away and starts designing, what does it look like next for the structural engineer in terms of their involvement and what they need to prepare for you to get approvals? So after the preliminary design and once everyone's on the same page and they're happy with the, the way things are progressing, what we'll do is a, a final design and documentation where we go through and we we itemise every nut and bolt and we size every single piece of timber and steel and, and show the connections of how they go together and, and how this, the, the masonry and the, and the concrete and what reinforcements in the concrete. We just itemise all those things in a set of drawings to help the builder um, build the skeleton of the structure. So with that, we, uh, we sign off a, uh, a certificate that says that we've designed the building in accordance with all the relevant Australian standards. And, and that really puts our stamp on it and says, you know, this building is not going to fall over because we've followed the right principles and, and we've designed it um, in accordance with all the Australian standards. So you have that reassurance that everything's going to be okay. And so those plans will go to the certif- private certifier and they'll um, they'll collate them along with the soils report and the uh, and the um, uh, the energy assessment and the architect's plans and all the other little bits and pieces that go together to form the entire package that the builder will use to construct the the, the project. So during construction, different states have different rules, but in Queensland, um, which is slightly different to New South Wales, the engineer has to inspect everything that is going to be concealed. So that means reinforcement that's going to go into concrete. The engineer has to physically turn up to site and have a look to make sure that reinforcement is in place before the concreter pours concrete, which is really good because it's a it's another level of insurance that you know that not only has the engineer designed the building correctly, but he's also out there making sure that the builder is reading the plans properly or the subcontractors are reading the plans properly and are following the rules. So every time something is going to get concealed, um, the engineer has to turn up to site, and it's the builder's responsibility to to let the engine engineer know that hey, look, I'm I'm about to put the plasterboard up on the walls. I need you to come out and have a look to make sure all the bracing ply is in, and all the tie down rods, and all the all the connections that I'm about to cover up uh, are, are okay. And so the engineer will come out on site at those critical times and make sure that everything from a structural perspective is going to be fine. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, for I have some uh, people in the UA community who take on their projects as an owner-builder and um, need to understand that that's a really critical step in making sure that you then get, you've of course got the certificate that says uh, we've designed this structural design according to building codes and Australian standards that goes in as part of your building approval or your construction certificate. And then at the end, 
as an engineer, you have to say, well, it's all been built according to our design and to Australian standards and building codes. And that's the kind of closing the loop, isn't it, on that this building is actually structurally sound. So, that's right. And if those inspections haven't occurred along the way and you haven't had time built into your – the last thing you want to do is say to the structural engineer, hey – I need you out here at nine o'clock this morning because the concrete's turning up at eleven. Because we love that. We just love it. Because <laughs> if anything is needs to be redone, you know, the last thing you want to do is turn a concrete truck away. You know, all of those um, things. You've got to understand that people can't necessarily be on your site at a moment's notice. They need to be booked in. So that that coordination is really critical at those at those junction points, isn't it, to make sure that you don't get That's caught right. out. And every engineer will communicate to you that they need at least 24 hours notice just so they can organise their day and, and um, you know, because you have meetings and you have, you know, uh, other commitments that you're working around to, in order to get to your site at, you know, at the appropriate time and have those conversations where we're, we're checking reinforcement and, and saying, oh, you missed, you know, missed these four reinforcement bars, you're going to have to put them in. So that may, might mean that you have to go to the shop and buy them. Um, before the concrete truck turns up. The last thing you want is to organise, say, a concrete truck and, and a concrete pump and, and four or five um, really strong, um, uh, potentially <laughs> angry uh, men if, you know... If and they're the, delayed. Yeah. yeah, if they're delayed and they, they don't get to have, um, have uh, you know, their, their pay at the end of the day. So what you want is that, that process to run smoothly. You want the engineer to, to sign off and make sure that everything is going to be built properly with enough time up your sleeve so that you, uh, if you need to delay something or you need to, to uh, adjust your schedule to, to get things right, you've got that buffer. Yeah, and I think too, you know, oftentimes um, if the structural engineer and the builder don't have a good relationship or, the, or they haven't established that level of collaboration and contact as well, which can sometimes I see happen on projects that aren't going well, the builder will go, oh, look, we don't need this. I'm going to change it, you know, and, and then... They forget that sometimes, you know, that the structural engineer still needs to be the one who's got their name on the dotted line certifying that that's okay. So you can see headaches happen when the builder's made a change on site and uh, and not really checked in with the structural engineer as well. And then that, that you know, you hit that hammer point of, oh, no, this actually needs to be changed. I can't do this. And um, I don't know if you watch the block at all. You know, that happened this past week where they pulled out all of the lining and the structural, they had to shut down the site and the structural yeah. and the engineer had to come and say, no, actually, this all needs to be sorted. So it's, you know, even people inside the industry think that they can make certain decisions, but it's the structural engineer who's the one whose name is on the line and their licence is on the line in terms of saying that things are okay. So, yeah, I always recommend that you always get the structural... You don't just trust what the builder's saying. If you've got any concerns, you get the structural engineer. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. (laughs) So, Josh, in terms of how a structural engineer actually prices their work and how they structure their fee proposal, if homeowners are trying to look at two different quotes and making sure that they don't get any nasty surprises along the way um, for those things like inspections and things like that, how do you recommend they, they interrogate their fee proposals and make sure that they're covered for the full duration of the work and what they should really be looking for? Okay. Well, uh, most engineers um, really only have their time that they can charge. So it's a, it's a service-based business. And so when they provide their fee proposal, they're trying to calculate how much time is involved to do the job and do it properly. So some engineers will, will uh, be able to break down their fee as an hourly rate um, on the project, which is, which is sometimes fraught with danger because they will, um, there's an open-ended um, sort of uh, checkbook arrangement. What, I think what is really wise is to try and get a lump sum fee for the actual design component so that y- your fee proposal, um, depending on the size of the project, may be broken down into, say, a preliminary design and a final design component. Um, or it might be, you know, this is the lump sum fee and we'll charge out, you know, per month how much work we've done. Um, that might be one way of doing it. But the... Uh, Probably the biggest trap for, for um, owners is that they, they pay for the engineering fee and then they forget about the inspections and then you know the budget gets tight and they get these um, small um, invoices uh, you know, successively each month and they think, oh, when's it going to stop? So it's always good to, 
to maybe um, chat to the engineer and say, you know, on this project, how many times do you think you'll need to come out on site? And, and then also communicating that to the builder and saying, look, you know, we, we think the engineer is going to come out five times. Is that how you're planning your construction technique? Are you going to, or are you going to pour one pier every day and get the, the engineer <laughs> out, you know, 20 times and I'm paying for it? So, so it's, I think it's really important to, to understand that an engineer is, you're paying for their service. And so some engineers will have a higher hourly rate than another engineer. So, so I think it's worth ringing them up and saying, you know, with your fee proposal, and, you know, this is how much you've allowed for. What what am I going to get for that? Am I going to get what what level of service? Are you going to be able to sit down and try and work out the most efficient design so you save me thousands, or or are you just trying to do it all in one hit? You know, am I going to get that that level of service that I need to to bring this in the budget? And um, and so, some engineers may not be set up for that level of service. Other engineers will, will thrive in that. So it's really good. And, uh, you know, depending on your project, understanding what what level of service that you need. You know, if you're thinking, look, I ain't going to knock out one wall, um, then you may not need a high level of service. So you're just comparing service for service. I think that's when, when you said apples for apples. I think you just got to compare what level of service you're going to get from each engineer and then also just try and square off how many times they're going to come out the site so you're not getting any surprises. Yeah, look, that's fantastic information. And I think really understanding if you're seeking that collaborative design process with your designer, then obviously the relationship between the structural engineer and the designer is really critical. And then your level of input into that process as well. And having that conversation with the structural engineer before you sign off the fee proposal, mm. you know, you're well within your rights to say, look, hey, is this going to work? Are you going to be able to chat directly with my designer? Uh, you know, do you work in these kinds of relationships with designers to really get the most efficient structural design as an outcome? Will you be willing to do that? And 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 is that included in this fee? That's right. And and I think you know I probably haven't touched on this, but the majority of homeowners don't really know what what the engineer is sizing up on a piece of paper or or you know may not be able to visualize what what's going on and and so they have to trust that that engineer is going to be putting their best interests in mind when they're dealing with the the building designer because a lot of the time it's double dutch for people that they they have to put a level of trust in the engineer that the engineer is going to treat their project as if it's it's their own that it's like they're spending their own money on the on the on the project so i think that you know, don't get too hung up on understanding every nut and bolt and thing like all the you know, all the technology and and things like that. You just want to make sure the engineer is going to be willing to have that collaborative um, input and be able to to work closely with the building designer or architect to give you the best outcome. Yeah, I love that because it is like you say, double dutch. It's it's basically, and when it gets represented on a drawing, it's lines with a, a number or a description beside it, isn't it? So for somebody who's not built or renovated before and doesn't really understand the industry, and then they see that that's taking a big chunk of their budget and it's all going to sit behind walls, it can be really quite confronting, I think, for a lot of homeowners if they haven't understood or haven't sourced people that are going to work really collaboratively through that process to get the most efficient outcome. So, yeah, I love that as an approach. And I think that if you can find an engineer who doesn't just want to just get a set of drawings, mark them up and then send them back, but does want to be in a discussion with your designer. And I know whenever I've worked with structural engineers, that's been the basis on which I've worked with them. It's been a really, okay, we want to do this. What's the best way that we can do this from a structural point of view? Okay, it's not going to look exactly like that. Or if it does going to, if it, if we want it, if we're so stuck on it looking like that, it's going to mean X amount of money and X amount of steel and, you know, that type of thing. I know at this budget level, I don't really want to have a lot of steel in this home or we will have steel because it'll go up much faster and it'll get the shell up faster and then that'll save time and money in construction. Like there's so many moving pieces to bring together, isn't it? So that collaboration and communication yeah, is critical. It can be quite, quite overwhelming for the average um, homeowner. And I think that's where if you choose the right engineer, they'll do all that hard work for you. They'll, you know, they'll put on the ownership cap and, uh, and really go into bat for you. So, Josh, you've given boatloads of tips for people in this uh, episode. It's just been fantastic in terms of understanding 
I, I think just how powerful the role of a structural engineer can be in getting a great outcome, both from a budget sense and a design sense in your renovation or building project. I think people often underestimate just how important a good structural engineer can be, and particularly often because they're they're maybe not even getting direct contact with them, that it's all happening through their builder or through their designer. But when you get a really good one, I know that to get a good structural engineer on board is the difference between me sort of being able to actually create a design that really sings and it feeling um, like I'm just pushing everything every step of the way. So it's um, it's just fantastic to hear you give some really great advice around how to do that well. I'm wondering if you can just uh, touch on some key tips for people in terms of their, you know, how they work well with their structural engineer and how they get the most from that working relationship, whether they're working with them directly and they're trying to coordinate the work between them and a, des- and a designer, or perhaps they've already had all their design done and they're just getting the structural engineering sorted. And then, you know, if they if they never actually get any contact with the structural engineer because their designer's coordinating them, um, perhaps you can give some tips there in terms of, of how they should um, best manage that process. Well, I think... I think one of the most important things, Amelia, is that when an engineer does his work, you want him to get to certain checkpoints before it's too late and checkpoints where communication can occur. Um, so that where I spoke earlier about you know getting the preliminary design, you could have that preliminary meeting. I think that's really important to have that preliminary meeting to make sure everyone's on the same page with the big picture. And then once the preliminary design is done, it'd be a great time to touch base with the engineer. You usually you'll get an invoice and that might trigger <laughs> trigger the conversation. But at that preliminary design component, there should be an opportunity for the engineer to, to give feedback. And um, and you want that in layman's terms. You might yeah you want that checkpoint in place where you say, look, you know, we've we've reached a preliminary design. What are your cost saving ideas? You know, what is the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome in your calculations up to this point? Is there something that, you know, if it was your house, um, try and put the engineer in, in your shoes and say, look, if it was your house, is there anything you'd do to save money or is there anything that is really inefficient that doesn't make sense to you that, that the building designer or the architects overlooked or, or uh, and just give them an opportunity to give you that feedback? I think that's really important. Um, so whether you're dealing directly with the engineer or whether the building designer and the engineer are doing all the communicating together, just make sure that they've that there's been a communication opportunity at that preliminary design checkpoint. So then you can proceed to the finish line in confidence that you've you've squared off any opportunities to uh, to make improvements to the design from a structural perspective. Because you're right, everything we do gets hidden. Yes, which is you know is quite disappointing <laughs> for an engineer, you know, but. Um, but that's okay, you know. Don't take it personally. I, I, hey? Okay, it's my job, and uh, I just love seeing people move into their homes, and they don't even think about any risk that that something could happen in a huge cyclone event. You know, they've got this confidence that we've designed it properly, and that they're going to be safe for the rest of their life in the house. It's yeah. a great sense of achievement. I love it. Oh, that's and to me that's a great point to end on because I think that you've pretty much summed up exactly why you need a structural engineer and it is for that peace of mind that all the money, time, energy, love, emotion that you've invested in creating this dream, be it a renovation or a new home, actually stands the test of time in terms of it being structurally safe and that you you can go to sleep at night knowing that the roof's not going to fall in on you under any circumstances. So, Josh, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's just been brilliant to have you share your wisdom and experience with the UA community on, on how to work well with a structural engineer when you're building or renovating your home. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Amelia. See ya. So how did you find that episode? Look, I see a lot of homeowners know that they'll need a structural engineer at some point, that knows it in, in bunny ears at some point for their project, but they're at a bit of a loss as to when they might need to bring them on board and when they're going to be most helpful. And, you know, I see a lot of homeowners get caught out and just not be strategic about the structural design and the opportunities that it can create when they tackle it at the right time. You know, they don't get that help and that input at the design level and they miss that opportunity to design their structure in a way that really manages their budget and their project overall. 
And that's the thing with structure. You know, most of the time it's hidden behind the walls and the roofs and the floors of our home. And yet it can suck a fair chunk of our budgets. So an experienced structural engineer is a fantastic asset for your project to get this right. And I think, you know, if you've listened to Josh's interview now, you will see how critical they can be in just streamlining that process overall and in really providing input that can make a big difference to the cost of your project, how quickly it can be built and to achieving your design vision in a really efficient way. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Josh and Westera Partners, make sure you head to the show notes and I'll have links to their to the website and the social pages there so that you can get in touch and the other links that Josh has mentioned too. Now, in the next episode, we're heading outdoors and Well, we're getting into the gardens and the outdoor areas of our home. And so I'll be joined by Luke Jones, who's a landscape architect, and he'll be helping you understand how you can work with one in the design of your garden and your outdoor areas around your home, whether you're building new or you're renovating so that you can get the best results. So join me then. Now, before we finish, remember our season four podcast partner is Colourbond Steel and their Matt Range. When you're building or renovating your family home, choosing materials for longevity and durability is definitely worthwhile so that your home doesn't cause headaches for you long term. And the last thing that you want to do after investing time, money and effort into your project is having to worry about things breaking down or deteriorating over time. Look, Colourbond Steel has been around for over 50 years and its mat range was tested for 10 years in real-world exposure testing and in accelerated laboratory testing. It's made in Australia and it's incredibly durable and easy to maintain as a building material for your walls and your roofs. Bluescope's Colourbond Steel with Activate technology is actually covered by the National Construction Code and applicable Australian standards, ensuring that it meets or exceeds Australian building standards. And so Bluescope Colourbond Steel with Activate technology is so innovative that applicable Australian standards were actually updated to include this new aluminium zinc magnesium alloy coating. So all you really need to know there is that this innovative coating technology actually provides improved corrosion performance and it's also referenced in the National Construction Code so that you can ensure that Colourbond Steel with Activate technology, which all Colourbond Steel that we're talking about will come with, that it meets or exceeds Australian building standards. Okay, so when you see that terminology being used on the website, just know that that's a coating technology which makes such a difference in the corrosion resistance of the material. So head to www.colorbond.com forward slash undercover architect. That's C-O-L-O-R-B-O-N-D.com forward slash undercover architect. You can read loads more about the incredible innovation behind what makes Colorbond steel and then that range super durable, easy to maintain and long lasting for your home. Thank you for tuning in to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect. Now, if you head to the Undercover Architect website, you'll see loads more helpful information on how to get it right when designing, building or renovating your home simply and with confidence. Not only can you see all the podcast episodes there, there's also a wealth of written blogs and videos too covering all sorts of topics. And there's other ways as well that Undercover Architect can give you more support and guidance for your project. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please subscribe so that you always get notified of new episodes as soon as they go live. And I'd love it too if you could please leave a review. (laughs) I know that iTunes doesn't make it easy to leave a review, but when you do, this is super helpful in spreading the word that this podcast exists to others who really need to hear it to get help with planning their future homes. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for listening and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time.